Well, good morning, church. I don't know if you know Caden or not, but he just makes me smile every time I look at Caden. And I'll say this, I'm not saying this for you to say it. I'm not encouraging you to do this. Uh, Ushers, just don't stand there looking. Just come on down. Um, uh, One thing I'll say about Caden, he's the only guy that always calls me Dr. Slocum. I'm not asking for the rest of you to do that. I didn't want you the rest of you to do it because now you do it and doesn't mean it. But for him, he means it every time. Dr. Slocum, I look, who's he talking to? I love that guy. The rest of you could take lessons from him. We'll share in our offering together this morning. Just so you know, when you give, uh, whether you give here in the basket, whether you give it online, whether you send a check-in, whether you, when you do those kind of things, you allow student ministries like Caden's a part of, you allow that to take place. You allow things in here to happen, uh, ministry to take place. So thanks for giving and thanks for being, about our, our, being a part of our church family in that way. I want to show you a quick video here as we get started. Many of you are aware of Azimuth uh, Counseling and Therapeutic Services. The, the Counseling Center Azimuth is our creation. It's an extension of our church. And in recent days, they have birthed a new ministry underneath the umbrella of Azimuth called Journey True North. And couple, we've learned a couple of things. Of course, COVID hits, and with COVID, you can't do, you, we couldn't you know, be in-house together. We had to be you know, telehealth. We learned the fact that we can do that really well, and we can be able to counsel and talk to people in, the, you know, in their own home, in their own living room, walking through that. But the other thing we've known for some time is oftentimes people find themselves in a place where, yes, they might need some more intense counseling, some psychotherapy, um, be with a clinician over a long period of time for some mental health issues, something like that. We understand that, but oftentimes there are times in our life where we just need someone to talk to. We need, we're going through a problem. We need someone to mentor us. We need someone to challenge us. We're facing something. We need some just sound biblical advice and it might be one time one session but it might be a couple of sessions where someone to speak into our lives from a biblical perspective who know what they're talking about they're qualified to speak in and to mentor us just watch this video if you would journey without any direction, you'll get lost. There's so many directions in life, so many competing ways to go, but ultimately there's only one true north. Journey True North is a ministry of azimuth, counsel informed to help guide you through the struggles that we all face in life. There was one theologian that said that every one of us have a God-shaped vacuum in us. And we humans try to fill it in many different ways. It could be through relationships, it could be through shopping, it could be through substances. We all know as humans there's something missing because it was meant for God to fill. And a lot of times we're just searching for an answer that only Christ can provide. But what they get at Journey True North Ministries is healing because at the center of everything we do is Christ. The clients that come have a variety of needs anywhere from personal issues, um, conflicts, marital issues. I see some that have depression, some are grieving, loss. Uh, Some, even pastors come because they need someone to talk to. Sometimes reaching out for help is the most challenging first step. You will not get put on a wait list or told there isn't someone to assist you. This whole ministry is about giving you the tools you need and find your true purpose and peace in Christ. 
Uh, so our, our online environment is very personable. Um, we try to make it as, as comfortable as we can, and it also offers a lot of flexibility and convenience. A platform like Journey True North Biblical Navigation is just a goldmine of opportunity for anyone that receives help because they're going to truly receive God's word, the truth. And as Jesus said, that the truth sanctifies us, the truth cleanses us, the truth renews our mind, and the truth sets us free. If you're not sure whether or not you should reach out to Journey True North, at least call the office and talk to someone. They can help you navigate through the beginning process to see if there's something that we can even help them with. But I would not hesitate to at least call. You're going to receive someone that cares. You're going to receive someone on the other end that's knowledgeable. And you're going to receive someone on the other end that's going to know who to pair you up with. Please allow us to walk through this process with you. You are not alone and you will be met immediately. And we will start the process of helping you find true hope and healing in Christ. So I don't care who you are, every one of us comes to moments in life where we could really stand to use a third person, someone looking into the picture as opposed to someone who's in the picture and living out in the middle of it, someone to speak in. Uh, I've done, in my own life, it's happened in our marriage, Diana and I, in our life, with our family. There's just moments along the way where you find yourself thinking, if I could just, if a third person could step in, if somebody could step in here and look into this and just help us chart some direction qualified people, caring people. Uh, this morning, we have a table display out in the, uh, in the lobby area. Scott Rancourt, our director of Azimuth and, and Journey True North is there. You can grab yourself a little, a little brochure about it, learn some things about it, and we've got, we've got resources for you. If you find yourself in a moment of time now, in the future, where you, you think, I, I just need someone to help me sort this out. So you're facing something, going through something, battling something. Give us a call. Uh, the help is quick. It's immediate. It's rock solid, biblically based, life changing. So uh, make sure you stop by that table today. Uh, talk to Scott. Get some information. File it away. Maybe you can pass it on to someone, but file it away because the moment comes in every one of our lives. So journey true north. Um, one other piece I want to say before we get into the sermon this morning. I don't know how many of you, and don't need to raise a hand, but I don't know how many of you watched the funeral of the queen this past. Monday. Um, I, was, I watched it, and I watched all of the services that took place around the, the queen's death and her burial. Um, I was reading some of the statistics. The low number, the low number says, or predicts, or is, is estimating that a billion people watched it. Some of the higher numbers are saying close to two billion people. In fact, one of the researchers said they believe that about half of the world's population that actually have access, ready access to a television and or to a computer, roughly half the world population watched the queen's funeral. Now, you might say, so what's the big deal? Uh, if you didn't watch it, you should. If you watch it, you will find, and I want you to think about this, a billion to two billion people saw not only a Christian service, but they heard the message of Jesus Christ. It was incredible, incredibly powerful. And I want, you to, I want you to be encouraged by this because oftentimes we have a way, we kind of live in our Vermont bubble uh, and oftentimes, I'll take that back, it's not a Vermont bubble, Christians tend to oftentimes live in a bubble where they view the world through the lens of everything that's wrong. They view the world through the lens of everything that's wrong, that people aren't believers, don't believe in God anymore, and they have this pretty negative, pessimistic view of the world. If you watch this funeral and think to yourself, two billion, one to two billion people just heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The hymns that were sung were songs that the queen either chose herself or had commissioned done. One of them was from Romans chapter 8. What? can separate or who can separate us from the love of God. It was, it's an incredible, incredible set of services that proclaimed the reality of Jesus Christ. And if you find yourself thinking, ah, I'm not going to invite them to church. I'm not going to talk to these people about spiritual things. I'm not going to have this conversation. You need to know there's a billion, two billion people that are watching and are interested because of what they saw and we make the mistake of thinking that the gospel doesn't work. So why try? 
The gospel of Jesus Christ works. And the worst thing that can happen with the mentality that says, oh, it's all lost anyway, is that we begin to close down and we stop talking about the story. And the story of Jesus Christ still works. If you haven't watched it, go online. Just watch the funeral portions. You don't have to watch all the other pageantry. Watch the funeral portions and you hear clearly the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now, this morning we're going to continue our series called One Question. One question that if you ask in your life, one question that can answer just about everything. And that's a pretty good deal right there. One question that answers just about everything. One question that can save you a lot of money. One question that can save you a lot of time, one question save you a lot of tears, a lot of pain, a lot of anxiety, a lot of distress, a lot of sadness, a lot of trouble, a lot of regrets. This one question can quite literally shape your life in every stage of life if you're willing to ask it and then apply the right answer. That question, of course, we introduced it last week, that one question is what's the wise thing to do? But we also said, don't leave it out there like what's the wise thing to do with some general thing. Let's make it personal. And the personal version is, what's the wise thing for me to do? That question will change your life if you'll regularly ask it. In fact, we applied a couple more pieces to that. We said, if you really want this to be practical in your life, if you really want this question to work for you, then when you have a major decision, when you've got decisions before you, you have things you have kind of charted direction, whatever it might be, in those moments, stop and ask yourself this. So first thing we said is, Based on my past experience, what's the smart thing for me to do? Because we've got some past experiences that if we just look at them, we learn an awful lot. So based on my past experience, what's the wise thing for me to do? Second thing would be, based on my current circumstance, what's the wise thing for me to do? And then based on my hopes and my dreams for the future, what's, my why, what's, what's the wise thing for me to do? Now, immediately, and I'm being very honest with you, you can come, if you're in a crisis moment trying to figure out what's the wise thing to do, you can come to Pastor Jim, head of our care, pastoral care department, you can come talk to me, uh, what's the wise thing to do, you can seek out some good counsel, but if you come to me, the problem with that is this, and for anyone else, truthfully, you come to me, I, I'll, I'll do my best to help you, but you know what I don't know? I don't know your past experiences. Even if you tell me your past experiences, I don't know all the nuances because what I've also learned is seldom do we share the reality and the truth of our past experiences. We just give the sterile version of them. So I don't know your past experiences. Second thing is, I don't know your future, the, the, the current circumstances you're in that, you're, that, that will be a, a key factor in the decision-making process. And I don't know your hopes and your dreams. You do. And so I encourage you to ask God those, that, that question, what's the wise thing to do in, in, in light of your past and your current and your future? Now, last week I gave you some homework, and the homework was to just start asking the question. Start to get in the practice of asking the question, but I also said this, don't just ask it for the future, but last week I gave you the challenge, why don't you look back at some of your decisions you've made? Why don't you look back at some of those decisions where you'd kind of go, I wish I could take that back. And we, we know we can't take it back. But I ask you to go back and look at it and take those questions and kind of lay them on top of that in the past and see if you don't find out that maybe had I asked those questions, things might be different. Because again, we learn something. But I want to tell you something that you really do learn if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to take a little quick review of your life and look at those bad decisions in the past, and you're willing to lay on top of that the questions that I'm asking you to look at, there's something very key that you will learn about yourself. And that very key thing is this. You do not have your best interest in mind. If you're honest, you'll say, I really don't have my best interest in mind. You say, well, how can that be? Because I care very much about myself. Well, you might care very much about yourself. But if you think about this, if you're honest and you go back and you ask the question and then you know the right answer, you know the right thing to do, you know the wise thing to do, and then you don't do it, I got news for you, you do not have your best interest in mind. If that's true, and it is, Then the next question you have to ask yourself is, well, if I don't have my best interest in mind, is there anyone who does? And the answer to that, of course, is yes. God has your best interest in mind. I'll catch this next statement. Not only does God have your best interest in mind, God always has your best interest in mind. And you can't say that about anyone else. If you can't say it about yourself, you certainly can't say it about anyone else except for him. He does. He cares very much about you. And today we're going to talk about this next step towards living in such a way where this question actually really does continue to be productive in our lives. Now, here's the thought for you. 
Of course, you can know the right thing and then not do it. We all know that. Of course, you can know the right thing to do and not do it. Of course, you don't have to do the wise thing, even though you know what the wise thing is. Of course, you don't have to do what I suggest. I can suggest things today, last week, next week. I can keep suggesting. You don't have to do anything that I suggest. You don't have to do what other wise people suggest. Other wise people can come into your life and say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking you should try this. You don't have to do what they suggest. Catch this. You don't have to do what the Bible says. On top of that, you don't have to do what God says. God can specifically look at you and say, I want you to do this. And you can flat out say, no, you can, honest. Because God has given you this thing called free choice, free will, which means you have the ability to not do the right thing. Today, I want to take a look at some options that will help us understand why it is at times, and for some of us, it's more often than others, why it is at some times that we just don't do the wise thing. All along in life, we have these moments where we just flat out won't do it. And Solomon is who we're going to look at this morning. Solomon who is the writer of the book of Proverbs, gives us some incredible insights to this. Now, Solomon's considered to be the wisest person who's ever lived. And we're talking about the issue, what's the wise thing to do? So so wise, in fact, and we're going to see this in a couple weeks coming ahead. So wise, and in fact, if you look at biblical history, you'll find other kings in charge of their kingdoms would face problems they couldn't solve, and they would send their leadership teams to Solomon. And say, go, go talk to him because we need a solution to this. I don't have one. Let him speak into it. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. He also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And he wrote the book of, called the Song of Solomon. Now, what's interesting about some of these books and about people in general, if you've ever read the Bible and you think to yourself, ah, ah, you know, it doesn't really relate to life. I, you know, I think the author's kind of off the mark. You haven't read the book of Ecclesiastes. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, especially if you're 40, 45, 50 year old or older, if you're a little older of age, you read the book of Ecclesiastes, and when you get done, you go, wow, this guy gets it. I mean, this guy, this guy knows what I'm thinking. This guy knows my, my view. I've been, li- I've been living long enough to look at life sometimes and go, man, what's the use? If you read it, you'll go, he really does get it. And then he also wrote the book called The Song of Solomon. This is a book that no teenager should be allowed to read. If you don't know why I said that, then you haven't read the, the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, that was a kid that was you know, banned. You can't read that. If you, you know, get caught, you go, hey, close your Bible. Whoever tells your kid to close the Bible? Uh, well, reading the Song of Solomon. Now I know right now, I've just increased the fact that chances are good. This book of Song of Solomon will be read this afternoon by many of you. <laughs> but if you read it, you kind of think, ah, you got to be a certain age to read this book. So here's the deal. We've got three pieces of great historic literature that Solomon wrote. And these three pieces of literature are just packed full of insights and wisdom about life. So now catch this. This is from last week. So the Apostle Paul would say to us, listen, be careful how you live your lives today. In fact, we use the word walk. Be careful how you walk down this life, this road of life. Be careful because, number one, you don't have all the time in the world. Time is limited. Be careful, number two, because the current of this world is going to take you places you don't want to go. And so then he says this. So I want you to be careful. And to be careful, it means this. Don't live as the unwise. But to be careful means start acting wise. Start living like the wise. And if the Apostle Paul would tell us that, then clearly he would say, and if you want to know what wisdom looks like, talk to Solomon. Here's our text this morning we'll start with in Proverbs chapter 1. And right off the bat, it tells us why this book is so important. Solomon chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings, the riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So he begins by saying, I got to tell you, I've got this all written down because you need wisdom and it's full of wisdom and wisdom is so helpful for life. And Solomon shares, we can't go through the whole book of Proverbs, of course, it's too long. But in the book of Proverbs, basically Solomon says this, there are four types of people who live in this world. Now, one of those groups are the wise. 
The people who seek out wisdom, the people who, who hear wisdom, and when they hear it, they do the wise thing. So he won't spend a lot of time on, on those folks. But he also says there are three others, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. There's three different categories. Now, I have to warn you, before we get too much further into this, today is going to be offensive. What I'm going to talk about today is, go, is going to offend some of you. If the reason that you haven't been to church in a long, long time is because at one point in time you were offended, if the reason that you struggle with church is because you find some things to be offensive, I have to just tell you, I am so, so sorry because it could happen again to you today. Because what we're going to talk about today is going to be offensive. I'm not trying to be offensive, as you think I might be, but I'm not, but it just might be offensive. So if you find yourself offended and you're thinking to yourself, who does he think he is? Because here's what I do. When someone offends me, especially when I'm listening to a talk, and they start saying things I don't like, I go this way. Who does he think he is? Who do they think they are? And then I go down this road. I'm smarter than they are. Right? That's what you do. You kind of go, I don't know what he's, what he's talking about, because I'm smarter than he is. So let me say right up front. If you find yourself saying to yourself, I'm smarter than him, you are. <laughs> or not. You are. And I'm being sincere. I have no doubt you're smarter than I am. Hey, I'm an idiot. Which my family tells me, I'm an idiot, but I, I don't just listen to them. But very sincerely, if you find yourself thinking, he doesn't know what he's talking about and I'm smarter than he is, I would say to you, okay, let's just say that's true, but still listen. Because maybe God might speak through the idiot. And maybe there might be something that we need to hear. So here's the deal. If you opt out of wisdom... If you know the wise thing to do, but you opt out of doing it, you're opting for something else. Does that make sense? This is the wise thing. I say no, then you're opting for something else. If you're, if you're, if you're walking away from wisdom, you're walking towards something else. And this is what Solomon gets into. He kind of explains to us what you're walking toward. He says there's three kind of people that walk away, uh, wake away from wisdom. So let's get into those and walk through them. Now, as I walk through this, here's one more kind of warning. As we walk through these, at any given time, I'm going to talk about three different types of people. And I'm going to ask the question, is this you? If you're here and you're married and you're here together as a married couple, do not elbow each other. Don't look at each other. If you're here with your kids at any point in time, don't look down the road and look at them. Don't do it. Don't roll your eyes. This is about you. It's about me, but no one else. Now listen to these options. And as we walk through these, be willing to say, Lord, is that me? Because you're willing to do that. Incredible change can take place. So our first option. The first option we have, these aren't in particular order, but the first option we have is what Solomon calls the simple person. The first group of people we have that don't do the right thing, refuse, the, refuse wisdom, are the simple people. Now, maybe simple is not the right word, but we're going to talk, they're just blind. They're just clueless. They just, don't, they just don't get it. They don't see. And typically, the reason why they don't see it is that they're, they're usually young. Not always, but usually young, which means this, they just don't have life experience. I mean, let's be honest, we get that. A lot of us can make a lot of mistakes because we just haven't been down the road yet. They're young. They lack life experience. Uh, they make bad decisions, not because they're bad people, not because they're evil people, not because they're dumb. Uh, they're making bad decisions, not because they want to ruin their life. They're just clueless. They just have no idea. Now, the blind or the clueless lack something that all the older people have. You know what that is, right? Not wisdom. It's experience. So typically for most simple people, it's just they lack experience. Back in 2000, uh, 2008, 2009, Taylor Swift came out with a country hit. Um, <clears throat> it, was in, it was entitled 15. Now, I'm not a big fan, so you may, maybe you know it. I didn't, but 15. But here's the key phrase to this song that was a double platinum hit. She said these words. When you're 15 and somebody says they love you, you're going to believe them. That's the key phrase. When you're 15 years old and someone says they believe you, I mean, someone says they love you, you're going to believe them. Now catch this. Why would they believe them? It's not because something's wrong with you. It's not because you're dumb. It's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're 15. It's because you don't have any experience. It's because you're clueless. You don't have that background to draw upon. The simple just don't know what they're doing, usually because they're too young and they haven't experienced life yet. 
Now, we don't have time to go through and read all of Proverbs and see all these different pieces, but let me give you just a little bit of a starting point as to what oftentimes you'll read. If you read Proverbs, you see kind of this beginning in some of these thoughts. Here it is in Proverbs chapter 7. So he starts by saying, my son. Now, please know when he says my son, that's a general reference to specifically those who are young. This is a advice from the elder, from the parent to the child. So he says, my son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you'll live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her, with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among them, there's the, window, the, the word. I saw among them the simple I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. Now, I don't have time to go through and read all of chapter 7, but hopefully you'll do that. But the picture Solomon paints is this. He says, there's this, the picture here is this young man, he's a boy, who's walking into an incredible mess. In fact, if you go and read it, he writes it in such a way that you can, you can kind of get the sense of it's going. If you ever watched a horror movie... You know what it's like. You're watching some thriller. You're watching some horror movie. You know exactly when it's going to happen. But the key character is walking into a dark house, into a dark room. There's no lights. And the music begins to build. And you're watching this saying, I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. You just know everything inside's getting ready for that to happen. That's the picture he paints. It's like you're watching this picture and you see this young man. He's just simple. He's just clueless. And the more you watch, the more you think something's going to take place. You know, let's go into real life. In real life, we have all witnessed, I'll just talk about what we've seen, I won't talk about us yet, but we have all witnessed other people's lives where you can see them going down a road and you're sitting there saying to yourself, this is going to be good. I can see where this is at. I can predict the outcome. I don't exactly know how it's going to go, but it's going to go bad. We've all been there, and now it's the talk about us, and it's been us at times, where later you can say to yourself, how did I not see this? Well, I kind of did see it, but others saw it. It's, that's kind of the picture he gives. He said, you're watching this young man, and he's heading down the road into a mess, and he's going to find himself in a place where it becomes too late. He says, the simple, the clueless, they refuse wisdom because they don't know any better. He said, in fact, it says he's like this. They keep following along because they don't know any better. And here's what it says, verse 22, chapter 7. And all at once, he followed her, the same young man. He followed her like an oxen going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pieces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it'll cost him his life. He says the simple walk through life in such a way with clueless. They're just walking into trouble. You can see it coming for them, but you can't stop them. So they're clueless. They just don't know. Now, when the simple person, when the clueless person responds to wisdom, it's usually not good. It kind of goes like this. You got the simple, you got the clueless, and you walk up to them and say, hey, listen, I just got to tell you, I'm looking at your life, I'm seeing where things are going, and where you're headed, it's not good. Be careful. And the answer is usually this. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to nothing's going to go wrong. Nothing's going to happen. If you're a teenager and uh, with a parent, if you're a parent, you know you've had that conversation to say, "Listen, don't go down this road. Don't go because it's going to happen." And you know you've heard the words, "You don't know what you're talking about." The child of the parent, you know, what you're talking about. You know what? Problem is here, mom. Problem is your dad. You're just overreacting. Do you know why parents overreact? Because we're not 15. That's why we overreact. Because we're, we're older than that. I got some things to draw upon. You know why as a parent I overreact? Because when I was a kid, I have all sorts of doubts in my head. Because when I was younger, I had someone tell me that they beloved me or they promised me something and not deliver. And my heart was broken. The reason why maybe we have a little more wisdom here is because we know what it's like to have our hearts broken. We know what it's like to have made bad decisions along the way. And here's the problem, parents. Still, side note for you, if you're a parent with a kid still at home, even older kids. See, a lot of parents will say, I've made bad decisions. Learn from my mistakes. But you know, we never tell them, we never tell them the bad decisions. We, we kind of hide some of those gut-wrenching bad moments because we like to bury them, but we don't realize that some of those bad, bad decisions are a treasure trove of change 
if we're willing to be transparent and say, let me tell you about a bad decision. Let me tell you what they look like. Let me tell you the impact. Um, we've made bad decisions more than they can imagine. So if you're 10, if you're 15, if you're 18, if you're 21, if you're 25, if you're 30, even older, and you're facing something in your life where you have no experience, and someone who loves you, and someone who's been down this road before you, steps into your life and says to you, be careful, because you're heading for trouble. My advice would be to listen. Now listen, you can be simple you can be clueless and not be young been doing this long enough to know there's a lot of old people who are simple and clueless if you will so if you're here and you're young 15 20 20, whatever it might be I want you to remember that you have something that we don't have the older ones because oftentimes when you talk to the younger person who might be clueless, they have the attitude that says, you don't know what you're talking about. And we do, but you take offense to it, like we're, we're speaking down to you and we're not. I want to remind you, if you're young, that you have something that we don't have, and that is you have all the benefits of youth. You need to know you still have your whole future ahead of you. You haven't lived long enough to have any dreams broken yet, or at least not many and not big ones. I mean, we've been there. So you've got your whole life ahead of you. I mean, you can still wear skinny jeans, I'm sure, probably. <laughs> Listen, you have the benefit at your young age, you can, wear green, you can have green hair, where others of us don't have any hair. Uh, you can, if you're young and you've got long hair, if you're a guy, you can, at your age, you can put your hair into a hair, a hair bun. You know, it's the man, the male hair bun, they had long hair, and they put in a bun. Matt, Pastor Matt had one a couple weeks ago. Now, you can still do that. You shouldn't. <laughs> and in fact, nobody should, but you can. I'm, I'm sure I'll have a meeting with Pastor Matt this week. So, now listen carefully. Some of you just wish you could have a man, but don't you? Some of you are just going, ah, I give anything if I could do that. Now, listen carefully. If you're young, there are a couple of things that are going to come very naturally in your life. A couple of things that will come to you very naturally. Your age, aging upward, will come very naturally. Don't do a thing about that, it'll happen. Your failures, they will come naturally. Your experiences will come naturally. You know one thing that will not come naturally? Wisdom. See, the reason why some of us are older in age and still clueless is because wisdom you have to work at. Wisdom you have to do. See, you can't say I'm really, really wise because I know the right thing. You're only wise if you know it and then you do the right thing. So you got to work at wisdom. So that's the first option. People who don't do the wise thing, uh, some of those people are just clueless. They just don't know any better. Let's go to the second group. The second category, Solomon talks a lot about in his, in his writings. And this is the person we'll call the fool. The fool. Now, if the simple didn't offend you, stick with me here on the fool. Now, the biggest difference between the simple and the fool is that the simple don't know any better, but the fool does, and they don't care. That's the difference. The simple just does, is clueless, but the fool isn't clueless. The fool knows exactly what's right and what's wrong and chooses the wrong thing. They just don't care. Solomon has a lot to say about the fool. I'll just read you a couple of verses about, about fools from, from Proverbs, but you can find many, many more. Proverbs 1.22, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will you mockers delight in mockery? And fools, they just hate knowledge. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables and saying and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, they just despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 7, stay away from a fool, for you will not find knowledge on their lips. Uh, Proverbs 18, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but the, they delight in airing their own opinions. Now, you go look up fool in, in, the, in, in a search, and you'll find all sorts of other verses that Solomon talks about fools. Now, what's interesting about the person who's in the fool mode, they're also usually arrogant. Fools are usually, usually arrogant. When you're into the mode of a fool, whether it's one area of life or all areas, there's always this arrogance that goes with it. Um, there's that foolish state tends to bring it out. You, you, you know, just know better. You know, when, when, you're try, when someone's telling you what the, what the wise thing is and you're going to do what you want to do anyway because you know you, you, you don't care, you come across, whether you want to or not, as you're just better. 
than them. You know better. Some of you who are hearing this and hearing me say this right now, um, you know what you would do in your head and what I'm saying is all wrong. You know the right thing, you do what's, what's, the, what's the wrong thing and right now you're going, yeah, but I don't care. In fact, not only that, some of you would be thinking this right now. Yeah, I know what the right thing is. I won't do it. In fact, you're calling me a fool? Yes, I am. There you go, I am. In fact, I'm a fool. My wife knows I'm a fool. My friends know I'm a fool. I just don't care. See, that's the arrogant side. And I've been doing this long enough where you have, when you talk to somebody who's doing the foolish thing, you say, hey, don't do it. You can't have a foolish thing. They have this arrogance about the fact that they just know better and don't care. If that's you, if you're having one of those foolish moments where in your arrogant moment, you're just saying, yeah, I'm a fool, I just don't care. Uh, just listen to this next verse that describes the fool. Proverbs 26, verse 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. What a great verse that is. Now, I, I debated including it, and I debated talking about it, but I need to for just a moment. If you don't have a dog, you may not know what this means. We have a dog, and they do this crazy thing, right? They'll vomit, and then they come back to eat it. Now, I mean, I know it's, hor- it's, 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 the, it's, the, it's so stupid. I expect that from cats, not from dogs. <laughs> I, you know, a cat does it, I go, absolutely. But a dog, no. I mean, there's just a higher level. They're God's children, whenever, but whatever. The, but here's what Solomon says. This is why I'm including it. Solomon says, if you're in their fool mode and you got this, this attitude like you don't care, just so you know, that's what you look like. And if, you've ever, if you're repulsed about that view and you kind of, that's just crazy, that's you. Don't be offended by me. That's what he says. That's what you look like. Now, if you have an area of life, just so you know, you don't have to be a fool in every area. If you've got one area of your life, just one area, 95% is good, you've got 5% where you know that it's wrong, but you're going to do it anyway, that area, you're being a fool. Now, if that offends you, if you're thinking to yourself, I'm done, just so you know, that's it, I'm done. I come to church and you call me a fool in church, I'm done. Done, I, Scott, I'm done with church, I'm done with you, I'm done with the whole deal, just so you know, no, you're not. You're not. You're not done. You're going to come back. And you're going, bet me? Now, if betting wasn't a sin, I'd bet you. <laughs> Here's why. Here's why I know you'll come back. Because at some point in time along the way, you're not done yet. One day, if you're the fool, one day you're going to experience the, the cure for foolishness. And when you do, you'll come back. You see, there are cures. There's a cure for the simple. You know what the cure for the simple is? Experience. What cures, what cures inexperience is experience. But here's the tough part. Do you know what the cure for foolishness is? Tragedy. The cure for foolish moments is usually tragedy. And um, when that happens, the fool goes, I need God. So go ahead and read Solomon's Proverbs. Read chapter 7 and you'll see there's a tragedy that's there. Tragedy because the fool has to learn the hard way. Now, listen closely if you're in the fool mode, if you will. If you're a fool and you're kind of we're at that fool moments and we all get there one time or another, when you're in the fool mode, most of us think like this. Listen, it's my life, it's my body, it's my time, it's my money, they're my choices, I'll do what I want. I'm not hurting anyone else, this is my life. At this point, your foolishness is actually blocking out your ability to see your self-centeredness. Because the idea that what you do is just affecting you is just flat out wrong. Listen to this verse in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. I'll give you a real simple translation. It goes like this. When you walk with wise people, when you hang out with wise people, you're going to become wise. Just makes sense. But if you're the husband of a fool, if you're the wife of a fool, if you are the father or the mother or the sister or the brother of a fool, if you're the friend of a fool, guess what? You're going to get hurt. That's what he says. 
Walk with the wise, you get wise, but you hang out with the fools. If that's who you're with, you are going to get harmed. See, here's the tragedy. The tragedy of knowing right from wrong and choosing wrong isn't just tragic because you destroy your life. But it's tragic because you hurt the other people around you. And this just makes sense, right? See, if the fool doesn't care about their body, why do they care about your body? If the fool doesn't care about their money and their finances, well, why would they care about your money or your finances? If the fool doesn't care anything about their own future hopes and dreams, then trust me, they don't care about your future hopes and dreams. So the fool says, I know, I know, I just don't care. Let's get to the last one. In case I haven't covered you yet with, uh, with offense, offense, here we go, last one. The third option you have, what Solomon calls, is the mocker. You got the simple people, you got the foolish people, and then you have the mockers, or he, and some, verse, some passages call it the scoffers. This person's usually very critical. This person's usually very condescending. They're always the smartest person in the room, always. Doesn't matter what room they're in. They know better than anyone else. And they definitely know that they're smarter than you. That's how it goes. Now, if you're married to someone who's a mocker, I pity you. If you work for someone who's a mocker, I pity you. If you are the person and you're the mocker, not only do you not care what I'm saying, you've already decided in your head what you would say to me if you get me alone. That's the way it goes. In fact, right now, if you're the mocker, you're having a conversation in your head right now about how smarter you are than I am. I already said you are. How much smarter you are, and you know exactly what I would say to him if I get the chance. I got it. Now, what do we mean by mocker? If you have, your, if you have a Bible app on your phone, that's the one I use. You can have others, but if you go on your Bible app this afternoon, don't do it now, but go on your Bible app and just to do a search and just write in the word mocker and watch all of the references that come up through scripture and specifically by Solomon about people who are mockers. Just read them and go, this is amazing. Let me give you one little snippet and I'll give you, I'll give you a definition for what a mocker is. Proverbs chapter nine, verse seven. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Simple translation is this. Here's what a mocker is. A mocker is a fool on steroids. That's what a mocker is. See, here's the deal. The fool knows what's right from wrong, and they just don't care. They do it anyway. The mocker not only knows the difference between right and wrong, and not only do they not care, but they're going to mock you if you do care. That's the mocker. Not only do they know what's wrong, but don't care about it, if you do what's right... They're going to mock you for doing what's right. That's the way that it goes. I, I got to tell you, people who know the right, just so you know, hear this, people who know right from wrong, the things to do, and choose to do the wrong things, hate to be around the people who are trying to do the right things. They just don't want to be around them. I've been doing pastoral ministry long enough to tell you this, what happens in the church all the time, when someone has decided that they're no longer going to do the right things, and they go into that mode, the foolish mode, they become angry at everyone else who's committed to do the right thing. And usually they will mock or find fault in everything else everyone else does, because that's what the mocker does. So this is key. This is very key. The simple, the fool, and the mocker. All three will hit a place where eventually they desperately need wisdom. Doesn't matter where you're at right now, it's going to happen. It's going to come to that point. At some point, they're going to wake up and they're going to say, oh man, what am I doing? At some point in time, they're going to hit something where they go, oh boy, I, I got to make a key decision. I, I, can't, I can't mess this up again. I, I need someone to help me work things out. I need to clean up some mess that I've made. Uh, I, I got to move forward. I, keep, can't, I can't keep doing this. I, I got to get out of this debt. I'm in, I'm in trouble. I got to get out of, I got to break this addiction. I got to go have some friends. I got to go save my marriage. I got to go save my second or my third marriage. At some point in time, doesn't matter what category you're in, you come to a point where you go, I need wisdom. The problem is, as Solomon points out, now listen carefully. If you sit in the seat of simple long enough, if you play the fool long enough, if you play the mocker long enough, you get to a point where you can't even recognize wisdom. 
live in that way long enough and wisdom comes along and you can't even recognize it so you automatically reject it. Now this is serious stuff. If you decide, and you decide every time you've made a bad decision, if you decide to stay in the seat of simple or foolish or mocker long enough, your situation will become hopeless. Now listen, not hopeless in God's eyes. Not hopeless according to what God can do. Hopeless because we typically won't let him do it. Because I want you to remind you, God will not strong arm you. God does not strong arm anyone. God does not come in and say, I got the best for you and I'm going to make the best for you. Nope. So it's not hopeless from God's point of view, but it becomes hopeless from our human experience. Now listen to these verses. These are beautiful verses from Proverbs and Solomon paints an incredible picture. He paints a picture at the very beginning of Proverbs. He paints this picture. He paints a picture that wisdom is a woman who's walking through the streets of town and she's calling out to anyone who will hear her voice in her soft tone saying, listen, wisdom is here. Wisdom is here. It's here for the taking. Anyone who needs it, come and get it. You can have it. It's free. Listen to my voice and come and enjoy this wisdom. Here's how it reads in verse 20 of chapter one. Out in the open... Wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery? How long and the fools will hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke and I'll pour out my thoughts to you and I'll make known to you my teachings. It's a great picture. This great picture of this woman who stands out there and just says, please, listen, wisdom is right here. It's yours for the taking. But here's the problem. Let's wrap up. Solomon knows that some will not chase after wisdom. Here's what he writes in verse 24. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all of my advice and do not accept my rebuke. Okay, this is this, this still woman. Some woman's talking. And you won't accept my rebuke. I, in turn, will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind. When distress and trouble overwhelms you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but they will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke. Catch this piece right here. It's gonna, we're going to come back to it. They will eat the fruit of their ways and will be filled with the fruits of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Now, there's a very important thing you need to see. This is not a picture. There is a picture here of God, but this is not a picture of God sitting in his throne and when you mess up, God laughing at you. It is not the picture. That is an unfair picture. This is accurately the picture of wisdom. And wisdom, when you fail to listen to wisdom, wisdom laughs when it all goes wrong. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I'm in the backyard. I'm working on a little project up beside the house. I got a, a small stepladder. It's not a big stepladder. It's small because it, it's not a real high project, and it doesn't quite reach. So I got this ladder on a block of wood and one thing and, uh, you know, whatever. And it's not, you know, not the most brilliant thing, but I've done it before. It worked. Diane comes out. She sees it. She goes, what are you doing? grocery shopping. What do you think I'm doing? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fixing this. She goes, you're an idiot. You're, that's gonna, you're gonna fall. You're gonna hurt. My response is this. No, I'm not. I've done this before countless times. Because that's usually what we do. We, we don't have a good answer. We say, I've done it before. I didn't get hurt. And in fact, my statement is, you know, just so you know, I've done this lots of times when you haven't been out here to see it. So I'm fine. Shortly after, block rolls over. Boom. I'm on the ground, I hurt everywhere, and wisdom laughs. Well, Diane did too, but I mean, the point of it is, is 
The point of it is wisdom laughs. But you get that piece though? Here's the thing. So say, say she's gone and I fall. It doesn't matter if the person who gives the wisdom sees it or not. Wisdom's still laughing at me. I'm on the ground and wisdom's laughing going, can't help you now, right? Nothing I can do. Now, the reason why wisdom can't help you now is this, because there's a principle. I told you about the eating the fruit. There's a principle here in life that you can't undo. doesn't matter how hard you try it. You can't undo this principle. It's the principle of reaping what you sow. You cannot like it, but you can't change it. We went to the corn roast, and guess we ate at the corn roast? We ate corn. Why? Because Paul Chamberlain planted corn. And when he planted the corn, corn came up. When he planted the corn, zucchini didn't come up or we'd have a zucchini roast. How horrible would that night be? <laughs> Everyone gets the principle of sowing and reaping. What you, what you sow, you reap. So listen very, very carefully. When you're sowing, if you're the simple person, while you're sowing life with the attitude that says, what well, I don't know won't hurt me, you're going to eat that fruit. If you're living the life of the fool in that moment and you say, yeah, I know, I just don't care. Just so you know, you're going to reap that fruit. And if you're the mocker and you have the attitude that says, I'm in control and you're all idiots anyway, I guarantee you're going to eat that fruit. And when that happens, no amount of money and no amount of counseling can fix that problem of reaping what you sow. You can't, unstop, you can't stop that principle. Simple, if you're there, what you don't know will hurt you. For the fool, I don't care attitude, that attitude will destroy you. For the mocker, I'm, I'm in control. No, you're not in control. But all of that can change when I say, Lord, in light of my past, God, what What's the wise thing for me to do? God, I really need help here. I'm in this current situation. And Lord, based on this current situation, what's the wise thing for me to do? Lord, I got these hopes and dreams. And based on them, Lord, you tell me, what's the wise thing to do? Ask those questions. Whenever you ask these questions, God provides you with the opportunity of an entirely new lifetime to put your past and your current and your future in his hands. Here's the final statement. Don't miss it. You cannot live down your bad past. Some of you wish you could. That's the reaping and sowing. You cannot live down your bad past, but you can live up to God's new future. And every day you live up to God's new future, this day becomes yesterday. And guess what you have? You've got a good past. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, there's any one of us in this room that can't look back in our lives and say to ourselves, I wish I would have asked that question. Uh, yeah, I knew the right thing. I wish I would have done the right thing. Some of us will be stuck in this idea that they can't live down the past. They can't get past it. But Lord, would you help every one of us to recognize that we can live up to your future, your new future for us. When we ask what's the wise thing to do and then we do it, the day is hopeful and a new beginning. May those words encourage someone this morning with that truth as they face tomorrow. Dismiss us in your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.